0: You want it. You need it. It's what everyone's talking about. The Kevin Sheehan Show. Now, here's Kevin. You're listening to The Sports Fix. Tommy is in Georgia now, uh, Tybee Island, Georgia, near Savannah, uh, calling in today. And then he will be making his way back next week um, after a little bit more vacation time. Um, lots to get to uh, today, including the news that Brandon Sheriff is going to be franchise tagged. So we will we'll get to that news. I I went through a lot of the Tua stuff yesterday, Tommy. A lot of the you know reports. About Tua Tunga Vailoa to the Redskins at number two. I definitely want you um, to weigh in on some of that uh, as well. But um, how's your trip going? Are you, are you, I mean, I would just think at some point um, when you get to a certain age, and I'm not calling you old, all right? I'm just saying when you get to a certain age and during the winter you vacation in warm locales that you start thinking about permanently moving to some of those warm locales and never having to deal with cold weather again even though we really haven't had much of a winter but have you thought about potentially moving from this area at any point to a warm weather place
1: not really i'm i'm ai I'm a northeast kind of guy tried and true uh plus you know i mean i don't mind uh donating my money to these uh southern uh Regions uh, on a, a temporary basis, but to be a permanent resident and pay taxes in some of these backward states, no, I don't think <laughs>
0: that so. would be the reason.
1: That would be one of them,
0: really. Yes, um, but some of the
1: contribute tax money to some of these people? No, 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 no.
0: The thing about it, though, for you, and I'm just trying to think. I'm not. I'm not uh, accusing you. Um, But I don't know offhand other than, you know, smoking cigars, you know, hanging out, um, you know, occasionally maybe making your way to, you know, a sporting event, you know, whether it's the dog track or a spring training game. But you don't have what I would call like a lot of hot warm weather hobbies, like playing golf as an example, or surfing or, yeah, you know, so
1: I don't do, I don't do any of that. Yeah. Uh, But I do. I do get energy, I think like most people, I do feel better when I'm by the water. Oh, yeah. I mean, it just just makes you feel better, you know, to see the ocean. You know, you have to go near the ocean. All you got to do is see it.
0: Why is that?
1: I don't know. There's probably all kinds of psychology about it, but I think it's a real thing. I think it just makes us all feel better. I don't know, something with the womb, maybe.
0: Knows. uh yeah, and the sound I mean, I, I and the sound there, in the womb
1: was, i don't know i th- I guess there was water in there i don 't remember a lot of sand in the womb when I was a fetus so no, i don 't know
0: i I actually think and and I could be way off on this, which I probably am, but I think that the physic like the sound of the waves um is very relaxing and actually impacts. Um, and maybe even alters to a certain degree, like your brain patterns and it like, it, it sort of lulls you or, or puts you into a, a relaxed state. I remember reading that years ago. I don't know. That could have been, you know, that could have been a, a marketing brochure for a beach town for all <laughs> I know. Um, but I think that there are, it, the, this sound of the ocean, you know, when you're, I can tell you this personally. If I'm at the beach and I am on the beach or close to the beach and I got the windows open and I'm hearing waves crash and I'm hearing the water, I have always slept so much better. You know, especially if there's a simultaneous like breeze, you know, yeah. sea breeze coming through, you know, the window yeah. or the deck of a hotel or whatever. Um, it, it, it is, there's definitely something that promotes, I think, better sleep. Unless, of course, you're hammered and then the alcohol is going to affect, you know, maybe maybe take away from some of that effect.
1: Speaking of hammered, on Sunday, uh, we visited this lighthouse and museum here in Tybee Island. It's a pretty big lighthouse, probably, but it wasn't open. But they had a museum and they had a fort there, too. It's about the 15th biggest lighthouse on the East Coast. Uh, but unfortunately, we couldn't go inside. But at the fort, they had like a... They had a beach bar nearby, and uh, uh, we walk in there, and I I, I asked for the drink menu, and they gave me a drink menu, and I see on there cans of all kinds of beer, including Red Stripe, for $2 a can. I said, there must be a misprint. (laughs) I I said, that's $2. He said, no, that's no misprint. It was for Red Stripe. And ounce red stripe wow
0: wow how many did you just buy you you should buy a couple cases of it and bring it back
1: let me tell you something i I drank so many red stripes that afternoon that she started bringing them for free
0: that is funny i haven't had a red stripe in forever like I, i i think we were in I think we took a trip a few years ago to the Bahamas before these hurricanes came through the last couple of years. By the way, did anybody watch that 60 Minutes? Was, watch, watch 60 Minutes on Sunday night. First of all, they had Bloomberg. There was an interview with Bloomberg. But then there was just, I mean, the the Bahamas are still recovering from that Category 5 hurricane that came through last summer, and it's going to be years before it's right. Yeah. But but I think that's the last time I had a Red Stripe. Is Is Red Stripe a Jamaican beer or... Jamaican. Yeah, it's Jamaican? It, yes.
1: It, it's Jamaican, but it's brewed I think in Denmark. Mm. It's
0: brewed As...
1: over there under Jamaican you know, uh, flag or something like mm-hmm. that. Uh, but it is, it's, it's an imported beer. Yeah, It's two dollars a can. Jesus God. And, <laughs> you know, I mean, I posted it on, I was so happy. I posted it on Twitter Facebook. And I still got pushback from people saying, you know red stripe and that's a lousy beer and yeah thinking, well i you, mean you, it's not beer
0: snob. well I'm, well tommy a lot of, you know who's the biggest beer snob i've ever met in my life is scott lynn um but beside oh. that um a lot of people are i look i would drink anything when i was younger i mean anything cheap i would drink like in college like i still remember this is actually a really good topic i think we we may have done this together once or maybe it was cooley i can't remember Um, but, but, um, you know, like the cheap beer that you drank and you actually liked in college, we drank a lot of Milwaukee's best because it was super cheap and not that bad. And we drank a lot of Bush, like Bush was a very cheap beer too. And I didn't think Bush was that terrible, but you don't find me drinking Milwaukee's best now, like red stripe and rolling rock and you know, all of those beers were sort of in the same category. Am I right or wrong?
1: Well, again, red stripe is an imported beer, so yeah. you can't put it in. No, well, of course, yeah. domestic versus imported. Red
0: stripe was definitely when you were a freshman in college. It's like, oh, you're getting fancy. You're getting red stripe. Oh, really? Yeah. Okay. But it's so, so anyway.
1: Just beer snobs. They just. They just. They're so pretentious. I mean, you know, don't preach to me. I've had an intimate relationship with beer for fifty years. I
0: know you beer will...
1: and I have seen more. <laughs> than most people could ever dream of at Boy Scout camp at night. So stop with with the, with, with the beer snob preaching.
0: Well, I'm not a beer snob. I, I, I know that. At all. I mean, I know a lot of beer snobs. And I also know you. And again, as I've said many times, what makes you so complex is your simplicity. <laughs> And not only do you not mind super cheap beer that tastes like piss water, you eat a ham and cheese sandwich with it and you're just as happy as a pig and poop. So I know you when it comes to food and drink, I wouldn't consider you to be super sophisticated, but nor am I uh, when it comes to beer. So, I mean, if I were with you, I'd be drinking Red Stripe too. I'd have no problem with it. Um, but still, back to the original reason for this conversation, two bucks. You better be buying a ton of it and bringing it home with you.
1: <laughs> I'm telling you! I just hope I don't get stopped crossing state lines.
0: <laughs> you, you can you can take beer across state lines.
1: I don't think you can from state to state.
0: Is that is that true? You can take beer. Come on, beer.
1: You can Listen, take beer. I I know in Delaware, and the, I I don't know if it's the same, but for years in Pennsylvania, you know Delaware had no sales tax. Uh huh. So. I mean, people would drive from Philly to Delaware and buy all their liquor and wine. Right. And you know, and some people would get stopped and, and get fined for it.
0: You know, um, so in the last couple of years with my son Corbin playing a lot of music and playing uh, music live on occasion, I've gone down to see him, you know. In various areas around town, Shaw, Dupont, wherever he's been playing, and when I go into some of these places, Tommy, um, you know, the bar, it, it's it, the, the, you know, in the venue, it's not like it's it's not like there are a lot of choices. And what I've noticed in recent years is that there are two beers in particular that it's just shocking to me. Now, the, one of them, I think you're going to know about the popularity of it with sort of the hipster crowd, I guess, Aaron, more than anything else, but definitely millennials, the whole Pabst Blue Ribbon thing. Like every one of these venues I go to, there's Pabst, it's on tap, it's in a can, and everybody's drinking it. And I'll be honest and they with the, call
1: And they call it PBR. Yeah, well, I know. it's they shorten it to PBR.
0: Yeah, well, it was PBR when I was young. Uh, everybody called it PBR. But the other one, Tommy, is Schlitz. And Schlitz is undrinkable. I'm not a beer snob at all. That is awful beer. You know, PBR is not that good either. I mean, if we're being honest here. But it's better than Schlitz. Um, I remember my uncle, that was his beer, Schlitz. You know, like in the nineteen seventies, I remember. You know, if he was coming over to the house, or if he, we were at my grandmother's, my uncle Gary drank schlitz. That and and and, and of course, um, uh, whiskey sours, uh, which we all, which my my father and uncle drank. Uh, that would they make up the batches of whiskey sours on the way to Redskin games at ten thirty in the morning.
1: But you no, know, what's, what's interesting is at my wedding reception, which which we paid for. Uh, Liz and I at a BFW in Wayne, Pennsylvania. We didn't have an open bar but we had all the beer you can drink and all the whiskey sour you could drink. <laughs> you know what? That's not a bad combination.
0: No. <laughs> um, w- still, every once in a while a whiskey sour is not bad at all. Um,
1: yeah. but, but but Now you mentioned you mentioned split. Yeah. You know, we never drank we, we even thought back Back in the, in the in the days where we would drink anything, like you, we wouldn't drink Schlitz. I
0: know it was terrible. The, it, never it had to be occurred, terrible then, right?
1: And it never occurred to us to drink past Blue Ribbon. It just didn't occur to us. Like there were some local cheap beers in the Poconos. Stagmire uh, was was a pretty cheap beer out of wilkes Bear. And when I was in Florida, we used to drink drink Peels real draft. Yeah. For $1.19 a buck nineteen a six pack, and sometimes for $1 a buck a six pack. You could get Orbit beer.
0: <laughs> for and a, I think it was a or- buck, uh, one one dollar for a six pack. It was called yeah, Orbit.
1: Was, yeah, I think it was Orbit beer that I was drinking when I burnt down my fraternity house. <laughs> <laughs> uh,
0: well, you at least you had an excuse. Um, yeah. Was Schlitz? Was, was what was Schlitz? Was it a Pennsylvania beer?
1: That was Milwaukee. No, it meant. was Milwaukee. Yeah. Yes. Okay. Smith was out of Philadelphia. <clears throat> I'm a lot sorry. Of people would get the, and Schmitz,
0: oh, I remember Schmitz. Them. You know, okay, I and you was, and I both did. Bad. You and I both collected beer cans, right? We've had that conversation.
1: Right. Yes. Yeah. So Schmitz and you know, we're out of Philly. We used to drink. We used to drink that much. And one thing about Schmitz that I always remember, I was doing a project with Artie Donovan, the old Baltimore Colts defensive tackle. Yeah. And every time you went to his house, you had to bring a thick pack of Schlitz for him. It was required. He wouldn't let you in the door if you didn't bring one. Schmitz, correct
0: me if I'm wrong. There was the beer that had the you know the scantily clad women on it, and that one that wasn't Schmitz. But Schmitz had like a changing decoration on it. Do, do you know what I'm talking about? I don't remember. Remember, remember um, you know,
1: I. During the Bicentennial, they all did that.
0: Well, beer I... can cans
1: went nuts with, with Bicentennial cans.
0: I, I remember Schmitt's that, but I, but I think that, that, that Schmitz had more. And then what's the beer I'm thinking of that had the women on it? The, the you know, the basically... The, the basically, you know, not
1: necessarily Bathing Beauties we're talking about,
0: right? N- not necessarily Bathing Beauties, but it, it would change, too. Like, irons... St. Pauli Girl? No, it wasn't St. Pauli Girl. Um, Iron City, you know, had the changing, the only reason I know this is I didn't drink those beers, but I, I was one of those, you know, 12 year olds or 13 year olds that collected beer cans, you know, in the late 1970s, you know, because yeah. it was like the thing to do. And I don't, I, it, it, for whatever reason, a lot of guys did that. And, um, I, Iron City always had the champion Steelers on it and then would have various, you know, cans printed with various Steeler players
1: I want to they s- did the same thing with the Pirates and Penguins, too.
0: Yeah, they would do the same thing with Pirates and Penguins. Yeah. That's right. Yeah, um, I don't
1: remember this, this beer you're talking about. The one beer with scantily-clad women who were not bathing beauties was Old Splash.
0: That's the one I'm thinking of. Okay. It, these, th- were, th- these, these were not weren't they, were they, they weren't attractive women, but they were women in bathing suits. Am I right?
1: Yes. Yeah. That's
0: the beer I'm Old thinking. Old
1: frothing slosh. Yeah.
0: Old frothing slosh.
1: I think beer. I still have a can or two left of those at home.
0: Um, and I don't know that that was a domestic beer. I think it was. You do?
1: I I, I think it was made out of out of, out of Pittsburgh too. Okay. i right. have been by Iron City.
0: Mm. All right, well, um, tweet, uh, Tommy, or me, your favorite all-time cheap beer, all right, Uh, at Kevin Sheehan DC, at Tom Levero. I think my number one for me would probably be, in terms of super cheap beer, willing to drink it, willing to drink a lot of it, and not think that it tasted horrible was Milwaukee's best. It was a great cheap beer. And I think, think uh, uh, yeah, Bush would be the second. Could not drink Schlitz or PBR or any of that. That stuff no. to me was undrinkable. Me, me too. Even for you. Me too. <laughs> Even for you, that Absolutely. was undrinkable.
1: Um, you know, but but beers with words like blonde in them and 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 other things, I don't like those. Well, and you, that's, I mean, yeah, I mean, I,
0: that's what, like Molson I mean, Golden, the, like Molson Golden. Uh,
1: no, 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 like the the, the local craft. Oh uh, well,
0: yeah, it's all it, well. They're basically indicative of like a lighter beer, right?
1: I know, I know that.
0: Uh, I don't, I don't just, like I, I, just so
1: thick of a beer snob.
0: I'll tell you what, I, I'm not. It's very hard for me t- to drink more, a, a lot of IPAs. Like, I don't mind drinking an IPA, but to drink three, four, five IPAs, I don't know how people do that. It's way too you know hoppy is is the uh, thing in ipas right like there, it's too much of a harsh taste um although i did do that once last year we just kept they kept <laughs> delivering ipas and you know and they do they typically can have very high uh, alcohol
1: yes they can
0: you know uh APB level uh, um alcohol by volume levels um in fact, I think the one we drank was like, you know, 11%, 12%, something like that. Wow. Did I, did I tell you this story? We're going to get to sports here in a second. Um, What's that restaurant? Is it called World of Beer, Aaron? World of Beer? World of Beer, yeah. yes. They've got one in Bethesda. Yes. Now, and they have, you know, I don't know, 700 kinds of beer or whatever. So they were a client of the station's Um Was this with you or was this with Cooley where we were out in Ashburn and we met with one of the world of beer sales people at one of the world of beer stores? Was that you or Cooley? Sorry. It wasn't me. Okay. So we're out there and, you know, they, they start bringing beers over. And they bring this one over that really tasted great. That was the first one they brought over. And I'm like, man, that's really, really good like that's excellent like that is so it was too sweet but it wasn't like one of those truly like sweet beers like that almost tastes like a chocolate milkshake um, but it was just it was perfect and you know it's the middle of the day by the way um, you know it's like you know one o'clock in the afternoon and they brought over a second one I drink the second one and after the second one went down I was feeling it like beyond feeling it I'm like whoa <laughs> It was a seventeen percent ABV beer.
1: <laughs> oh my goodness, that—that's
0: outrageous. And so I, like, I'm, I'm sitting there. I'm like, how? What? What? What level of of alcohol is in this beer? And they said, I, this is sixteen point seven or percent or whatever. And I'm like, oh my god, I, I'm. I'm not only feeling it, I'm actually legitimately hammered. I basically just drank, you know, a six-pack of Budweiser in 20 minutes. And so um, I, you know, I sat there and I, you know, I dialed it back for a while and had a couple of super low-level beers. I'm like, no more of the 16.7s, please. Let's get it down to the 5%, you know, area. And had, you know, a couple more and then ate lunch. I had no business driving from Ashburn back to Bethesda that particular afternoon. I was shocked that nobody like sort of gave me a heads up that hey, you know, you, you know if you're driving, you may, you know, just want to have one of these, not two of them, or maybe just a half a <laughs> one, not two of them. Um, but anyway, uh I like beer so much more now than I did. I drank a lot of beer in college and high school, definitely a lot of beer. A lot of, you know what, Tommy, did I tell you this story? That um, uh, about a year ago, my son had a big sort of party at the house, which I let him have. It was over the summer. I don't even think my wife was home. And he, I think it was it was for, his, for his birthday, actually. Um, and he had, I don't know, he had a lot of people at the house. I probably shouldn't tell the story, but it doesn't matter. Um, he's now of age, so it, it doesn't matter anymore. Um, but they got a keg. And, you know, the kids these days, they don't get kegs. They just don't. No, and, no they don't. And... and, and I love keg beer. Like there's nothing better than pouring out of a super cold keg, you know, keg beer, Budweiser, and that's what I ended up getting. I think I got, I think I got him Budweiser, um, and it was great. Like I sat there when everybody had left, and I just went downstairs and sat there and had a couple. Uh, that's all we. When I was in high school, that we got a keg from Talbert's on River Road every single Friday night. You know, we got a you know quarter to, to you know, sometimes a half keg, which would last that Friday night, at, you know, into the day on Saturday. But they don't get keg beer anymore. But it was funny because they got it and they had no idea how to tap it, which is why they got it. And they, you know, they're trying to tap it and they called me downstairs. They're like, uh, we don't know how this works. And so yeah. I hadn't tapped a keg in forever. But, you know, it's like getting on a bike, brother.
1: Um, yeah, but it's a lot easier to tap it now. Look, I go back to the days where, in order where to tap a keg, you had to slam a rod down. A huge rod was attached to the, to the uh, uh, tap. Yeah, you had to slam it down to make sure the beer didn't start shooting out. Right, and it 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 was a pain in the ass.
0: It was not a pain in the ass. Now, you know, here's a question for you. Are you old enough to remember drinking beer from cone-top cans?
1: No, no, no. But I have a cone-top can from my collection.
0: I I did, I, too. Remember yeah, how valuable I, I, they were?
1: Oh, yeah. And I dug this up <clears throat> in, in, in an old house foundation up in the Poconos when I used to go digging for cans. You know, because workers, that's the way you found them, in old factories, that were torn down right. or old houses. Right. Because when they were building these places, they would drink beer and just throw them in the in, in, in with the in the foundation. And I had a cardinal cone top beer from Scranton, which I still have. It's not in the best shape, but it's 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 in decent shape.
0: I'm reading about these right now. First of all, I when I collected beer cans, you know, middle middle school, junior high school. Um, we did some of the same things that you talked about like we would go we would go to you know down by the river you know I live pretty close to the Potomac River in Montgomery county and we would go down and look for places and dig and you know and and actually find you know beer cans and we actually yeah. found a, a cone top um beer can that way but I'm reading about them right now they were introduced in 1935 if, if just google cone top beer you'll see what we're talking about it actually had a cone as as the top of it. It wasn't like a pull tab, you know, to, to open up the beer. Um, and, um, cone tops were designed in response to flat top beer cans as a hybrid between beer bottle and flat top can. Cone tops were especially attractive to smaller breweries, which did not have the capital necessary to buy new canning machinery. Um, they were made throughout world war two and they were continued up until, Nineteen sixty, when they stopped making them that way, they are yeah, now, they are now considered collector's items. And I remember when I, you know, when I was a kid yeah. collecting them, they were considered collector items then.
1: Yeah, I, I never drank out of, a, you know, the cone top. I mean, when we were growing up, STP, the oil additive, right. came in a cone top can. Oh, really? I mean, so that—that's that's what it really looked like. You know, you, just one more thing about kegs, just to show you how things have changed over the years. When we first started doing Bumstock, like uh, 26, 27 years ago.
0: Bumstock, your think, trip to Wyoming. Yeah, my, yeah.
1: My, no, no, no. Bum oh, Wyoming is, is that one.
0: Bumstock's yeah, the other I have, one, yeah.
1: Every August with all my friends right. from high school. We we got five half kegs. Oh, wow. And at, and at midnight, we were out, and Harry, the guy party. No, 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 no party, you, you got
0: five half kegs?
1: Five half kegs.
0: There's how many of you were there?
1: There were well, there were a lot of us, and we were, we were still in drinking mode. And we ran out at midnight, and Harry got a friend to, his, to to sell us a keg from his bar at midnight on a Saturday night, so we'd have another keg. Tell now, me now. I think we I think we used one half keg. A so half a half
0: keg. I, I could be wrong. I think it's
1: three hundred eight ounce bottles. I think it's three hundred eight ounce glasses of beer.
0: Yeah, I, I, I read. Yeah, I thought. I thought it was even more than that. I thought it was even more than that. I'd have to look it up.
1: Yeah, six half kegs. <laughs>
0: oh my god, crazy. <clears throat> um. Anyway, all right, whatever. Uh, we're done with this conversation. Let's get. This was fun though. Let's get to sports. Uh, Before we get to the Brandon Sheriff stuff, do you want to weigh in on any of the... How much have you been following from the road about the Tua Tungavailoa uh, um, rumors and and reports yesterday? The the South Florida Sun Sentinel said that the Redskins essentially met with Tua, told them they were interested in having him compete with Dwayne Haskins because they weren't sure yet about Haskins. Um, That report sort of is among a couple of others that suggests that the Redskins could. Uh you know, Mike Silver suggested the Redskins absolutely could consider, you know, Tua at number two or a quarterback at number two. Uh did you want to weigh in on that?
1: I've been uh yes, I have been following the Tua reports uh from the road. Uh I mean the Sun Sentinel one seems so stupid on so many levels. Uh I don't see how we have a competition between Tua and Haskins, and I don't see how this helps Dwayne Haskins if they really trying, if they really think they need to draft Tua in order to, to motivate Haskins. Then he's, he's definitely the wrong guy, you know. So I, you know, I think we're missing the point of the simplicity of this. <laughs> R- Ron Rivera was a linebacker in the NFL. He was a linebacker's coach. He's a defensive coach. He's going to draft Chase Young. Yeah, I agree. That's it. I mean, he's going to—he's not going to tinker with a quarterback and risk missing out on maybe the best linebacker prospect. What in the past? I don't know. I don't, in recent memory.
0: He's not going to do that. Outside defensive end, Chase Young is going to be a four-three defensive end. Yeah, right. Um, Right. I I agree with you. I I agree with you. But but I wanted to mention one other thing as I was setting it up for your answer because I forgot to mention this. Yesterday, um, I mentioned that the report in the South Florida Sun-Sentinel didn't sort of tie it back to Ron Rivera because J.P. Finley had come out and said, Ron Rivera wasn't even in the meeting with Tua. And I mentioned, well, it didn't really matter. That's not what was reported. Well, apparently the first version of the story that I didn't read did have in it that Ron Rivera was part of the meeting with Tua and then they amended the story. So I got like the corrected version, Tommy, which didn't have that part in there. So um, I wanted to just make sure that everybody was, was clear on that. Uh, I'm, I actually didn't think of it from the angle that you thought of it from, which is, you know, if they've got a draft Tua to motivate Dwayne, they got the wrong guy anyway. I would agree with that. I didn't mention that yesterday. Uh, I just think that um, I just think that right now the uh, the bottom line is that they would be nuts to take Tua Tungavailoa off of three surgeries in twenty two months at number two overall, and I just don't think they're going to do it. And I'm not even a real big fan of those. Uh, or in, in agreement with those that say the Redskins are just trying to throw it out there to generate more interest. Like there's already interest. Nobody's going to believe that they're, you know, going to take them if they're not going to take it. It's just, I think the Reds, and I don't think the Redskins criticized Dwayne. So I think there was some parts of this report that were wrong, um, Uh, I just think it was one of those, Tommy, you know this, right? Like he sits down with the team. The team says, hey, you know, if we did draft you, would you have a problem if you had to compete with Dwayne Haskins? And he said no, and then he told his agent, and his agent blew it up into something it really wasn't. But I'm also with you. If they do draft a quarterback at number two, Dwayne Haskins is gone. There's no competition If you take Joe Burrow or Tua Tunga-Vailoa at number two, you're taking them because you've decided that your guy isn't as good as this guy and you're betting the next ten years that this is going to be your guy and you're going to give him every chance to either prove it or disprove it. The other guy's gone. This isn't Kyler Murray and Josh Rosen. It isn't. It's not the same situation. Different coach, different offense that they had in Arizona, and by the way, they got rid of Josh Rosen.
1: Yes. You know, and you're, you're 100% right about Tua's uh, uh, injury history. And this is the kind of player that the Redskins have gotten criticized for drafting in the past, a damaged player, that they think they can get, you know, that they can they think they can fix. Uh, I, I would think they'd try to stay away from that. There's a lot of questions about Tua's ability, you know, to still play and and stay healthy. And why do you need that? Why do you need, look, my issues, again, with Dwayne Haskins are all related to the owner and, and uh, Haskins' off-the-field uh, activities. I think you saw enough of the way he played last year to think that you've got to see this through. That quarterback is not the position you should really be worried about at this point when you have an opportunity to to fill other needs. So I just think we need to keep it simple. They have a quarterback. He seemed to function okay without any weapons, I might point out, uh, and with lousy coaching uh, to boot. And, uh, you know, we have a chance to draft a generation-changing defensive player from all accounts. What's, What's so hard about this?
0: I don't think there's much heart about it. But, you know, the the thing, and I made this point yesterday, when you are – this draft is in some ways unique in that not only do you have perceived franchise quarterbacks with elite quarterback potential at the top of this draft, you also have a generational pass rusher potential-wise in Chase Young. So if you're in the top two or three spots – there's just going to be a ton a shitload of rumors and stories and opinion about what's going to go on here at the top of this draft. If, if the Redskins were picking 17th there would be no Redskin discussion really I mean I know there were rumors last year you know about the Redskins trading up and I think that's in part because the owner you know wanted Haskins and actually fortunately got talked out of trading up for him. Um, you know because that would have made it even worse uh, even though he may have ultimately gotten it right. But But anyway, I just think that we're going to be dealing with these stories and these rumors and these quotes and these, you know, there are pro days to be had. There are agents trying to position themselves, you know, and the Redskins have one of these prized picks and sort of a unique draft. I mean, I I know last year it was Nick Bosa and Kyler Murray at the top of the draft. A couple of years ago, Miles Garrett was at the top of the draft. But Miles Garrett coming out was – was really evaluated as a good, you know, really good player, but not in the same way Chase Young's being discussed. And clearly Mitch Trubisky wasn't being talked uh, up in the same way that Joe Burrow and Tua Tungvalu are. So, um, you know, the the Redskins are going to be at the center of a lot of this from now until draft night.
1: What about the Philip Rivers rumors?
0: (laughs) I I don't see it, Tommy. I don't see it. I mean, I don't
1: see it either.
0: There's one that's even easier than what we said about if they draft, you know, number two. If they draft Phillip Rivers, Haskins stays, but Rivers is here to start next year and maybe one year beyond that. And that would be a clear indication of what I talked about last week. And that is, you know, they think they have a chance to turn it around quickly and contend for something this year. They're going to be super aggressive in free agency um, without question in my mind. And, uh, and 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 Philip Rivers would sort of fit that. You know, we think we can do something this year mindset.
1: I would agree. I mean, I again, I think it's 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 pretty good. It's it's not going to be a dramatic draft, at least the first night. I think the Redskins are pretty just. You know, like I said, I think Dwayne Haskins will be your starter going into training camp next year, and I think Chase Young. Uh, will be part of what could be a pretty good defense.
0: Yeah, I I agree with that. Um, Quick word here about mybookie.ag. It's March. It's springtime. March Madness right around the corner. St. Patrick's Day right around the corner. That's a good beer day, Tommy, and a good day to watch beer, watch basketball, and bet on basketball. Um, you're gonna go nuts watching games uh, you're gonna call in sick or you're gonna leave work early to watch games on those Thursdays and Fridays if you want to get down on some of these games you know whether you fill out brackets or you put money you know on a team in a calcutta however you want to do it my bookie has you covered um, one result obviously can ruin your tournament so no busted brackets with my bookie if your picks go bad one day you just start fresh the next day and if you thought winning your bracket pool at work was fun imagine how you would have felt last year as Virginia pulled out all of those last second shockers rewarding their backers with stacks of cash on each one of those games my bookie is easy to use they pay fast when you win and they'll let you bet on anything not just games my bookie your sports book for home March Madness that's my bookie is your sports book home for March Madness my today Deposit with my promo code Kevin DC for a fifty percent bonus. That's a promo that's promo code Kevin DC and you'll get a fifty percent bonus. At my bookie, you play, you win, you get paid.
1: You mentioned you mentioned Saint Patrick's Day. Down here, Saint Patrick's Day is huge in Savannah. Enormous. They have a tremendous Irish population down here.
0: I think I knew that. And yeah. the
1: celebration may be the second or third biggest in the country down here.
0: Where in would be the biggest? Action? Where would be the biggest? Boston?
1: I I, I don't know if it's Boston. I New mean, York in the U.S. Chicago. I know Boston, New York, or Chicago. I yeah, would think
0: one of those three.
1: But uh, you know, and and we were in a museum yesterday where I found out a lot of people uh, from you know a lot of the Irish were not necessarily welcome. When they came to New York and New Jersey, over on boats, and some of them started migrating down to Savannah, and then uh, there was a direct connection uh, made between some uh, industry down here in Savannah and Ireland, and they just started coming directly here. So there's a big Irish population down here. Very surprising.
0: Um, there are there are a lot of of. Pockets and towns of of lots of Irish, you know. Um, there are co- there are a couple of towns on on the shore in New Jersey that basically it's like the Irish Catholic mafia. Um, uh, yeah. Actually, the the town. I think I've mentioned to you um my wife's father um their their place and he's still up in that area Spring Lake New Jersey which is near Belmar and Avon by the sea and and uh you know Manasquan and and some of those towns uh they basically refer to Spring Lake as you know the Irish Riviera you know because yeah. it, it, it and, and I think there are a lot of places like that on the east coast you know little towns that end up you know being um sort of culturally you know uh predominant something right predominant italian predominant jewish predominant irish predominant something um but whatever uh you get much more of that on the east coast than you do on the west coast very little of that on the west coast no not much all right let's get to this brandon sheriff news which was broken by jenna lane an espn reporter she actually covers the buccaneers uh aaron probably knows jenna um she tweeted out late yesterday. Not sure if this has been reported, but league sources have told me that they expect the Redskins to franchise tag Brandon Sheriff. Now, tagging Sheriff, which by the way isn't a surprise, uh, if you're a Redskins fan, um, you know the long-term deal was a possibility, the tag was a possibility, letting Brandon Sheriff make it to free agency was really the lowest of of the probabilities. But depending on what kind of tag Brandon Sheriff gets, um, you know, he's going to make $16.1 million in 2020. And I think I've mentioned this before, but if I haven't, I'll mention it now for the first time. In the NFL, Basically, these franchise tags, um, the, the amount that you get paid if you play on the tag, and by the way, the Redskins can still try to negotiate a long-term deal with Brandon Sheriff all the way up until July 15th, or shortly before training camp begins. But for the um, position of offensive lineman, uh, so the franchise tag value works this way. You get the average of the top five salaries at your position if you play under the franchise tag. All right, there are franchise tags, transition tags. There's actually multiple kinds of franchise tags, exclusive and non exclusive. I'm not going to get into all of that. But basically, the average top five salary for offensive linemen is $16.1 million. That's what Brandon Sheriff will play for in 2020 if he plays under the tag. The interesting part of this, and I'm not sure why this happens is that the NFL lumps tackles and guards together when coming up with the average for franchise tag purposes. I don't know why they do that. We all know, don't we as NFL fans, that tackles get paid more than guards and that tackles in many cases are more important than guards and are harder positions to play and are harder to find. Yet, a guard like Sheriff is going to make the average of the top five salaries of guards and tackles together. So the $16.1 million, if he plays under the franchise tag next year, is going to be $2 million more than what Brandon Brooks and Zach Martin will make at guard. They're the two highest paid guards on an average annual in the NFL. So it's not the top five at the guard position. It's $2 million more than the top. So it's such a benefit for guards in the NFL to be lumped in with tackles. It's weird why th- that they do it that way. I'm not sure why they do it that way. In fact, you could actually make the case that left tackle should be separated from right tackle in sort of the value, you know, coming up with a value for franchise tag. That may not be interesting to you, Tommy, or a lot of people out there. I just think it's wrong. I don't know why they do it that way. But anyway... Um,
1: sounds like it was a negotiated thing by the union.
0: Probably. You're, you're, that's yeah. exactly what it was. I'm sure that the union yeah. – well, and, it was and, something you, the union didn't have a problem with.
1: Right. Either that or they, or they pushed for it. Yeah. Uh, because it would mean higher pay for all offensive linemen.
0: That's right. Because I mean, the top five average is classes. going to be for tackles. The, all, the yeah. top five are all going to be tackles contracts. So yeah. you're right. The players so, would have wanted that.
1: Yeah, I could see that.
0: Um you know, that
1: means he would be making now four million more than Trent Williams, wouldn't he?
0: He will be pay, may, uh, making four million more than Trent Williams if Trent Williams plays for twelve million dollars right. a year. Yeah. Um, That's kind of funny. Yeah, uh, Chick Hernandez had something on that. I was going to get to that uh, momentarily. Um, so anyway, so Sheriff looks like he's in for this year, and um, I, I. By the way, he's really good you know, when he's available. He's missed 14 games the last two years. Let's not forget that. But he's really good, and he would have gotten a big contract on the open market. There's no doubt in my mind. But,
1: but let me just say this about what, what this illustrates. And this has been a chronic problem, particularly during the Bruce Allen era, and needs to be addressed. Because the good organizations do this. It's not, not just the starting offensive linemen that the Redskins have maybe struggled with from time to time. The Redskins have been terrible at offensive line depth. Absolutely terrible. I mean, there's no next man up, usually, for this team that's serviceable. And this is why you have to pay uh, $15 million to a guard. Because, you know, I mean, you know, you may like Wes Martin now, but, you know, I mean, you haven't seen enough of him to, to be able to have faith in him. They're just they've just been terrible at building depth in the offensive line and I'm sorry to do this but I always point to the Ravens who are just the opposite when it comes to building offensive line depth and and finding those linemen in the 4th and 5th rounds uh, of the draft that wind up starting for them 3 years later you know that the Redskins have to get on that train
0: yeah i mean no doubt so in thinking about sheriff getting tagged last night um I came up with a, you heard it here first. This is not a report, okay? This isn't me breaking news or anything. But I did sort of the simple logic and the simple math on Eric Flowers, okay? Because Eric Flowers was the other starting guard last year. And by the way, played really well.
1: Flowers yep, he
0: did. Flowers was. You
1: got to give him, you got to give Bill Callahan credit for that. Well, that's He's what I'm going to get to here. To okay.
0: Flowers was coached into a career saving season. At guard, his first year at guard by Bill Callahan in 2019. Bill Callahan is in Cleveland. The Browns not only have a ton of cap space this year, they have a need at guard. You heard it here first Eric Flowers to the Browns now that Sheriff's been tagged. All right, it's not, I'm not reporting this, mind you, okay? Just an educated guess based on what would seem to be logical. You've signed Sheriff. He may have to play at $16.1 million. Your other guard can be Wes Martin, who played a little bit and who they like. Eric Flowers turned himself into a guard with value who can sign a decent deal next year, a deal that the Redskins probably won't come up with, not to mention the fact that he will likely want to sort of be back with the guy that saved his career, Bill Callahan, on a team with cap space and a team with a need at one guard position. So there you go. You heard it here first. Uh, Eric Flowers goes to Cleveland. Um, Makes sense to me anyway. Uh, May not make sense to some of you. I wanted to read um, a tweet that Ben Standing put out yesterday and talk about this for a second, if you don't mind. Uh, ben put out this tweet. It's part of a story that he wrote about sort of the reality of the second pick, which sort of leads back to ben, Cha- Chase Young. Yep. And, and ben,
1: ben writes for The Athletic, right?
0: He writes for The Athletic. Ben's doing a really okay. good job of writing for The Athletic, too. And I know that the people that I have on the show a lot, this show or the radio show, you're, you know, you probably hear me say I really think and respect their work. Well, I'm not, you know, I'm I'm not building them up for the purposes of, you know, just saying it. The reason I have them on the show is because I think they're good. You know, if they weren't good, I wouldn't have them on the show. Ben's good. Ben, you know, writes a lot on the yes, Redskins. Yes. He 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 breaks news. He's done a really good job uh, for the Athletics since taking over the Redskins beat, which, you know, before he had sort of the Wizards beat and the college basketball beat for so many years. But anyway, he wrote a story that sort of, you know, reset reality on the number two pick. But it's a part of the story that I wanted to share with you and talk about. He said, not only would Tua at two remove a local kid Chase Young from the scene, it surely would do the same with local kid Dwayne Haskins. Does that sound like a Dan Snyder move? A source told Ben that Dan wants Chase like he wanted Dwayne. He loves it that he's from the area. So my reaction to reading that was, Jesus God. Like, he, this dude just misses it at every turn. He just doesn't have a frickin' clue, okay? He should have, nobody that roots for this team would ever say, get me the DeMatha kid, even if he's not as good as the kid that's from Kansas. Like, who gives a shit about whether or not the kid's local? I'm not saying that, hey, it's great that he's local, he's DeMatha, it's great that he's a Redskin, but that's not why I would want Chase Young to play for my team. I would want Chase Young and Dwayne Haskins to play for my team because they were great players. Chase Young could be from Buck too after watching him at ohio state i want the redskins to take him at number 2 like this is the part to me where i know that you know uh, i'm not breaking news here that he's a terrible owner like somebody who who tweeted this to me a little while ago this ivan guy that calls me all the time on the show and uh, ivan i love you if you listen to the podcast too you're entertaining you're funny um, and you say just ridiculous stuff that, that turns it into good conversation. But somebody, um, he basically said, you know, you, you're always, when, when I went through this rant, he said, you're always trying to turn everybody against owner Dan Snyder. So somebody <laughs> so somebody tweeted, I agree with Ivan 100% about you. This was Junior. You try and turn everyone against the owner Dan Snyder. And I just responded to him. Why on earth would you think that anyone would have to try and turn everyone against Dan Snyder. Like, are you serious? Like, I would never have to say a thing about Dan Snyder, and the overwhelming, significant majority opinion of him is that he's a terrible owner who's ruined something that was so special to this city. But anyway, everybody knows that, except for a few people. But, you know, sometimes I wonder, like, I know that... Uh, that that, that he's been disconnected from sort of reality when it comes to the team. And maybe the last couple of years were a real dose of reality going to those games and seeing nobody there. It's one thing to see 50,000 there, Tommy, and not be able to see, because if you're sitting in those suites, it's really actually hard to look up and see the upper deck empty. You know, when I've sat in the booth before, you actually can't, you have to arch your head through the glass and look up to see the upper deck. So anyway, my point is, I I think when 50,000, there he can be fooled into he still has you know a significant you know fan base that you know wants him to win and is still showing up and everything Um, I think the last two years have been you know a bit of an issue but you know the fact that that a local kid would even play into a decision a football decision just shows you how completely and utterly clueless he is there is nothing okay. Does it work? Maybe better for Harvest Fest or for the Draft Day Party or for a couple of you know um, uh, events, charity events that the kid that Chase Young went to Dematha and that that Dwayne Haskins went to Bullis. Okay, but nobody cares. The greatest players in the history of this organization are not from here. John Riggins is from Kansas. Would it make, would would it have made it better if he had gone to Gonzaga? No. He's the greatest player ever. Daryl Green, Texas. You know, uh, Art Monk in in New York. Come on. This is, I'm not sitting here saying that it's the only reason he's looking at Chase Young. He understands. But the fact that it's important to him blows me away. It's so insignificant to me. As it is, I would bet, to most fans.
1: You know, uh, two things on this. First, uh, I mean, he may be. Down. the Redskins, Marketing and, and Snyder may be down to the point where they're actually counting heads yeah. of people that come to game. Right. And if they think they can get the Damatha uh you know uh social club maybe show <laughs> up to a few. More okay, games, now you
0: now you're exaggerating.
1: Okay. I, I, I don't think it's that far fresh. I think I, I think you know they probably exaggerate. I think right down to it, I think they're counting heads on people to get in the door. <laughs> if you draft Chase Young,
0: you can get the Dematha, you know, football boosters to show up to the games. <laughs> there you go. I mean, I'm I mean, sure that, it's that's, a pretty big booster club. I mean, Dematha is a bit yeah. of a powerhouse.
1: Yeah, but the second thing is, and I see this, I see this on the baseball side with the Learners, who have owned the team since 2006, and I just don't get it. Snyder has owned the Redskins for 20 years and made every mistake you could possibly think of and created a few new ones. You would think after 20 years of being that close to the business, he would have learned something. He would have learned that, that this, this, this is nothing, that this means actually nothing to the fan base. It has no impact uh, on the... I mean, what's far more important... Is whether or not a player is good than where he's from and how good the player is, and if he hasn't learned that in 20 years, he'll never learn anything. He'll never change, never.
0: You know, part of it could be the desperation of of coming up with ways to attract people. Look. He may have turned out to be right about Dwayne Haskins, but there's no doubt that one of the reasons he pressed for Dwayne Haskins, he, he was a local kid at the, the high yeah. school that his son went to. You know, don't, don't, don't scoff at that, people out there, okay? If Dwayne Haskins had played at Ohio State but had gone to high school in Cleveland, the owner would not have been in there telling his football people to draft him. Okay, that it was, it had to do with the local impact. Now, Chase Young, you know, uh, again, it's an easy thing with Chase Young because he's the real deal and he's legitimately a guy that should be picked either number one or number two overall. But the fact that it's important to him um, and that Chase is like a lock to be drafted because Dan wants Chase like he did Dwayne because he loves that he's from the area. I'm telling you, Tommy, I'm born and raised in this area, as the owner is, okay? If I were running this team or if I were the general manager, whether or not someone was local wouldn't mean anything to me, anything. The only thing I would say to you is over the years, if you look at NFL teams, they will occasionally draft more players or sign more undrafted Players um, as free agents that are from some of the local schools, in part because they had a chance to see him play more. You know, they got to see it. And they not only saw the kid play live and on tape, they saw him on TV more because of the local aspect of it. They heard more chatter about it, so they looked into that player a little bit more than others. You see, you will see some of that over the years, and sometimes it works out and sometimes it didn't. I'll tell you what, if he was really interested in the local angle, I wish he had been interested in that when Stefan Diggs came out in that draft, yeah. because he should yeah. not have gone fifth round. Um, there were concerns yeah. about him, and that was McLuhan's first draft, right? McLuhan's first draft was the Jameson Crowder draft. First draft or second draft? Crowder. I think it was his first draft. I think Crowder and Sheriff were in the same draft. So... um I would have taken Diggs um, uh, because I just thought Diggs was was better. But anyway, I, I just wanted to point out, it's another indication when you hear stuff like that, if true. And by the way, I can totally see it being true. I can totally hear it, see it, have others who I know that know him talking about it, that this is the kind of stuff that's important to him. Because, you know, he's always thinking about the marketing angle. You know, he's never thinking about... The, you know, what the right thing to do to win, which is the ultimate marketing, uh, you know, uh, platform. Um, But he's always thinking about the other stuff, you know, to draw attention to the team. If if he asked me if it was important about drafting kids from the area, I would say 100% no. Not important, even a little bit. Couldn't give a shit. I'm the. I'm a lifelong fan of the team, and I don't care if Chase Young. It went to Dematha or De La in California. Doesn't matter to me. You draft the best player argue, that's going to make your team a winning team.
1: You could argue that in some cases it's a drawback because now you've got this kid having his family and his friends bugging him locally all the time for the kid. Yes. yes. Yeah. Yeah, so you it, could. It's actually a drawback for for the kid a lot of times. Right. Uh, and it doesn't help them. You know, the one sport where I think it does have an impact, uh, is baseball. If, if you, tra- if you draft a local kid. Right. But a local Philadelphia kid. Like, like the Phillies. If they had, if they had Mike Trout on their team, you know, I mean, that would be, that would be bigger than Bryce Harper. That, that would be phenomenal. Like, uh, you know, I mean, so I think I think in baseball, like Cal Ripken with the Orioles, like Joe Mauer with the Twins. If you happen to draft a local kid who becomes a star for your team, that is a big impact for for a baseball team marketing wise. I guess maybe it's because you know of of the frequency of games, 162 times, the hometown hero is out there. Uh, but in basketball, it's no big deal. And it's
0: football. It, it, it doesn't do anything. I can I can see in in an eighty one dates a year you know sport yeah. where you know if it comes down to you know it, it wouldn't be bad to have a local kid. Look, those are the sports that need to come up with marketing angles to sell tickets. You know the NFL yeah. has one marketing angle: win. You know people are going to watch and people are going to come out when you win. Um, more so than, Hey, you know, come out and watch the local kid on July 5th. On, it, we got bat night and local kid night. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I just, I, I read that and I was like, Oh my God. Like I, you know, again, someone will say, Oh, you're taking it out of context. Or you're exaggerating. That's fine. If you think that, but trust me, I wouldn't have had the reaction if I didn't think that it was really likely true. Like I think his mind works in sort of what will get people interested in the team. And he's missed the number one thing that will get people interested in the team. For 20 years, winning, that's the only thing that matters. The stadium in Landover could be built another 10 times there if you had Super Bowl champion or Super Bowl contending teams coming back year after year, and very few people would be complaining about the traffic or the the scene or whatever, and you'd have no issues selling tickets, none. Um, last well, other couple of things here. Um, so the Trent Williams thing continues to get sort of more interesting um, by the day. Chick Hernandez, uh. P- Put out a tweet yesterday. Let me just get that tweet.
1: Um, Chick who used to work for NBC Sports Washington, right?
0: Yes, Chick Hernandez, who you know did the post game show for years with B Mitch and Trevor Maddich. Always loved that show. Uh, still do. It's a it's a great show. Chick, Chick did a great job. Julie's doing a nice job. Love Julie. Um, I love Trevor and and B Mitch and their dynamic. It's always been good. Anyway, Chick. Um, Put out the following tweet uh, about Trent Williams, and it was sort of, I think, a follow up to some of the reporting, including JP's reporting that um, that uh, Trent had been looking for an amount that was absolutely obscene. Um, several people reporting more than twenty million. I mentioned yesterday that you know I've heard that you know twenty five million plus he's looking for that he's really looking to recoup what he lost um, from uh, the holdout last year. Anyway. Um, and a lot of the reporting had to do specifically, and this is what I think Chick was responding to, specifically to Ron Rivera and Trent Williams talking contract with one another. In capital letters, Trent Williams update, exclamation point. And then he writes, sources close to Williams' camp tell me, contrary to what they call false reports, Williams never met with Redskins head coach Ron Rivera over a contract extension. I'm told Rivera wanted Williams to come and meet with him and listen to what he had to say. The two met. It was their only meeting. The coach and player never spoke about contracts. Any reports suggesting otherwise, false, according to my sources. Hashtag Redskins. Hashtag Trent Williams. Um, So that was what Chick uh, had out on Twitter. First of all, um, anybody that talked about trent williams and reported on trent williams in a contract discussion with the team uh that could be going on simultaneous i mean it's age it could be agent and and the new eric Schaefer, rob rogers you know doesn't will? I, i wouldn't expect that williams and ron rivera would sit down in a meeting and talk contract details i would expect that it would be his agent and Rob Rogers and you know whoever else is involved maybe it's Ron and others you know in in another meeting i mean that's something that the agent does you know the the player doesn't sit down and negotiate his own uh, own contract um but i started to think about something as it relates to this two two thoughts one you know and i mentioned this this one yesterday one, one is, I don't want if they trade Trent Williams to, to influence what they do in the draft. Meaning, if they trade him and they have a left tackle need, I don't want that to make it more likely than not that they trade down and pass on Chase Young. I just think that would be a mistake. And then number two is this. I actually, if you just think about it logically... And, le- and and the possibility of Trent Williams playing for $12.5 million on this final year of his contract is becoming more of a of a real possibility. I still think trade is like 60%, extension is 30%, and I would put it 10% at the very least that he has to play out this final year of his contract. And hear me out. First of all, do you think there's any chance if he doesn't get traded or get a contract extension from the Redskins that he will sit out a second year?
1: No, absolutely not. Okay, so I, I, I mean, I, I, I think, I, I don't know. I mean, uh, <laughs> absolutely this. not. No, no, oh, no.
0: Wait a minute. I don't know. No, Which is it? No,
1: I don't. I, I don't know about this part. <laughs> whether or not he regrets sitting out this year.
0: The point is, I agree with you. I don't think there's any way Trent Williams, at 32 years old, is going to sit out a second straight year, lose another several millions of dollars worth of, of contract, and then try to enter free agency after a two-year hiatus to try to make up all of that money back. I think Trent Williams is not; st- uh, it will not sit out a second straight year, and then so then add that Trent Williams won't sit out two years in a row, okay, Two, the Redskins and no other NFL team will pay him the top left tackle deal in the NFL, and maybe 20 to 30% more than the highest NFL, maybe even more than that, um, than the highest deal. So if no one's willing to make him the highest paid tackle in the game, and at the same time, he won't sit out one more year. That equals him playing this year twelve and a half million dollars. That's possible. That,
1: that's an ugly scene, Kevin. You do realize that.
0: I'll tell you why it isn't, but go ahead and tell people why you think it well,
1: is. I mean, because he's 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 not gonna come in the camp a happy camera. Right. And Trent will speak and it will be a daily Trent Williams. You know, is he talking, is he not talking, what are teammates gonna say about him? If he's not talking, teammates will have to talk to him. His contract, like the Kirk Cousins contract, will become an every Sunday affair that will that will get in the way of what Ron Rivera is trying to. It will really get in the way. I mean, You know, so that's that's an ugly scenario.
0: Okay, so that's what I thought your answer would be. And I will give you John Kimes' retort to that uh, this morning on radio. He said, number one, it wouldn't be ugly And it wouldn't be awkward because Trent is so well-respected and well-liked by the players. So in the locker room every day, not going to be an issue with those players. He actually went a little bit further to suggest that it would be a much bigger problem with Quentin Dunbar, um, which I found interesting. Um, But he doesn't think that there would be any issue and that the players desperately want Trent back. And then I added this to the conversation. You know when you love, uh, you know, you'd love to have a player in terms of sort of guaranteeing that you're going to get his best is in a contract year. Especially in Trent's case, where he's looking at 2021, if he doesn't get it this year, as the last year he'll ever be able to get a big contract. And then he's looking at the money he lost in 2019. He's going to play his ass off to prove that he's still the elite player that he once was so that he can totally cash in in 2021. Now, it's not the best situation for the team because they'll lose him to a compensatory pick in 2021, which would be like a third rounder. But you know what? If he's demanding the the new contract at the levels that we're hearing he's demanding it at, or his agent is, it's going to cut down on his trade value now anyway. This is another reason why they should have traded him, you know, uh, much, right. much sooner than this. But I don't know that it is the ugly, you know, scenario that you paint.
1: Okay, I can't say absolutely sure it will be. But with all due respect to John Kine, I think it's awfully naive to think after four or five weeks of a- answering questions about Trent, that his teammates will be fine with this situation. But you, it, will get it, it
0: won't the- be the Kirk situation, Tommy. It won't be.
1: Well, you said the Kirk situation wouldn't be the Kirk situation, and it, it absolutely did. Wasn't. I
0: did I say that?
1: I, in, in the beginning, when they when they first tagged him, I said this would be a weekly referendum. Oh every yeah, yeah. No, I,
0: I didn't disagree with that. Okay, but it's but that but that say, position think, that position is different.
1: Okay, I just think it's it, it's naive to think that everyone's going to rally around Trent and be happy for him as he seats every Sunday for playing for what he thinks are peanuts. And then you're anticipating that his his will to play harder will overcome his anger about what he's playing for and who he's playing for.
0: I'm just saying, you know, look, I think all of this is reasonable to to, you know, To think about this situation. You know, I think a lot of this stuff that we always think becomes major locker room headaches aren't nearly what they're made out to be by us. That's just my opinion. Um, I think the Kirk Cousins thing was different because you know first of all it's the quarterback position secondly he was much he was younger thirdly you needed a quarterback for the future and there was a big debate in town as to whether or not he was it or wasn't it with Trent you would know going into this year this is his last year in Washington he's not re-signing with the Redskins next year i guess there's a chance he could if he fell in love with Ron Rivera and their coaching staff and they played well and he played well whatever but the, you know he's going to be pissed that they didn't give it to him the, a year earlier um but Uh, I'm just saying that if no one's willing to give him the top contract in the league at left tackle, and maybe even more, you know, uh, plus, um, then you're not going to be able to trade him. And I don't think he's going to sit a second straight year, so you're left with him having to play.
1: Yes, you are. That doesn't mean he'll play well. That doesn't mean that the injuries that he would normally play through before he won't play through this time. Not for this team. Again, I'm I, I'm I, I'm confused about uh Redskins precedence for, for when an angry player has turned out to play well and benefit the team. I don't remember all the cases where this has happened before. You mean
0: Albert Haynesworth didn't <laughs> Yeah. You know?
1: I mean I, I mean like this is I mean, we're assuming that this will function normally, and it, and whether Ron Rivera uh, is there or not, it's a dysfunctional situation yeah. already. That all of a sudden it's gonna, it's gonna, you're gonna turn a pile of shit in the bowl. That's I, I, not gonna happen.
0: I do think that you make a point in that you know Ron Rivera is gonna look at this and say, "Damn, can't we just get you under contract, or can't we just trade you?" Um, yeah. But at the same time, he's also looking at an offensive line where he needs a left tackle. Like yes, he does, you know, he has to have a left tackle. So if he if it's not Trent, it's going to have to be somebody else. And and that goes back to my first point, which I mentioned yesterday, um, and and briefly mentioned here. I just don't want them to get influenced by losing Trent into trading back and missing out on Chase Young. I hope well, that I don't doesn't think
1: happen. That's going to happen. That, well, that would be absurd.
0: Well could. I mean, you oh, know, yeah, listen, based on based on your draft philosophy, drafting by need, you know, uh you would you would you know, if you didn't have a left tackle and you could get, you know, Miami's number 5 and Miami's number 18 and Miami's number 2 to move up to number 2 so that they could draft Tua, you know, you would be ah oh, I get to fill my cornerback need, I get to fill my left tackle need, I get to fill my tight end need in the draft. But I missed out on Chase Young.
1: Here's here's the difference and what you don't understand. Uh Under my philosophy, the Redskins would never be drafting second in the draft.
0: (laughs) Yeah. Uh, Somebody suggested, hey, man, you know, let's – forget Tua and forget Burrow. Let's just ride this out. If Dwayne's the the wrong guy, we're going to be picking Trevor Lawrence next year at the top of the draft anyway. (laughs) But you know what? That's really – it's hard to finish last in the NFL or second to last. You know, as bad – as dysfunctional and as bad as the Redskins have been over a long period of time, this is the highest draft choice they've ever had naturally. Obviously, they traded up for it you know in uh in 2012 to get griffin but you know they've been one of the most ineffectual franchises for two decades and even they don't end up with the first and second round pick very often
1: yes now fort trent williams was the fourth pick in the draft
0: trent williams was the fourth pick yep trent williams yeah. was the fourth pick griffin was the second pick when they had number 6 and traded up um they picked uh, Brandon Sheriff at five, right after twenty fourteen. Brandon Sheriff was five. I think he was fifth. Uh, you know they've been in and around the, the the you know that area, but but never as high as they are now. Which sort of leads me to this one last thing. Um, if the Redskins, the Redskins have to at number two overall, and one spot away, by the way, from number one. They really do have to come to some sort of conclusion on Dwayne Haskins before this draft. They have to have an idea of whether or not they think Dwayne Haskins is special, whether or not dwayne Haskins can be the franchise quarterback for them for the next ten years because what we just discussed, they may not be in this position uh, in a, you know maybe ever again, certainly not in the next you know they could they 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 could be haskins could be not very good, and they may never be in this position in the draft because they could be good in other areas of the team, including the coaching staff. So if they come to the conclusion that he's not their guy and they come to the conclusion that Joe Burrow is, or Tua is, they have to do it. And if they come to the conclusion that just Joe Burrow would be, they've got to be aggressive and try to trade up to number one.
1: I don't think they'll be able to come to that conclusion on Dwayne. I just don't think they'll be able to. I think it's they have murky. to. I don't think they can. It's too murky. There's a, there's enough evidence, there's enough doubt, and there's enough evidence that he could be. And they're not, that's not going to change. They're not playing any games. They're not having any practice between now and the draft. So there's just, the evidence they have is just too murky to come to its Definitive
0: conclusion about Haskins. That. Then, then, that, then let's circle back to one of the first things we both agreed on on today's show, other than certain beer. And that would be that if they were to draft Tua, there's no way to keep Haskins. If they can't come to a conclusion on Haskins, but they can come to a conclusion that they think Tua's got star potential... Then maybe they take Tua and keep Haskins and make the decision on which one at the end of next year. Why? I mean, I agree with you that if you draft a quarterback at number two, you're moving on from the guy you drafted last year at number 15. But if you're right, using what you said, that they can't possibly come to a conclusion on what they think about Haskins' long term potential. But they really feel good that they've evaluated Tua Tungavailoa as one of the best quarterbacks they've evaluated in forever. Then you take Tua and you let them battle it out. And if Dwayne turns out, if the murkiness becomes much more clear, and he is a big-time star too, then you can make the decision at the end of next year to move on from Tua.
1: Look, if they're smart people, this is incredible. They're they're going to be. They're not going to be able to come. A reasonable people can't come to a conclusion about Tua either because of his medical history. Can't. (laughs) You just can't come to a conclusion about what. Okay. What if they
0: come to the conclusion on Burrow then, and Burrow's there too?
1: They're not going to get Burrow.
0: I just said, if they're murky about Dwayne and they are murky in both ways, like could be great, could be terrible. We don't know. We have to see him. We don't want to give up on him, but we're absolutely not sure about him. Man, that Joe Burrow, what he did last year as, you know, having a record season for a college quarterback against the hardest schedule in the history of college football. We are sure about him and he is there at two. Because Cincinnati said we are absolutely sure about Chase Young, or maybe Cincinnati says we like two or more. Okay,
1: let's get back to uh, my original thing. It's not confusing for Ron Rivera. He's a defensive coach. He was he played on the greatest one of the greatest defenses in the NFL. A linebacker for the Bears. He was a linebackers coach for San Diego, mm-hmm. and he has an opportunity to draft a great defensive player, it's just going to be simple. There's no working for him. They're drafting face young.
0: You know, Ron Rivera's been around the league for a long, long time, and he's watched a lot of football, coached a lot of football, and Ron Rivera knows that the quarterback position is the most important out of all of them. And if you get the right guy there, you could be set for life.
1: But he played on a team. The Bears team did not have a great quarterback.
0: I understand that. We're in a different era so, here.
1: I know, but I'm just wondering where you're basing this Ron Rivera experience from.
0: Well, he, he's he been around coaching in the, in, the 20, in the 21st century. He knows the importance of the position. He knows it's more know important it's, than a pass rusher or defender.
1: I get that. But if we're talking about personal interests, which we always seem to do with the Redskins, Ron Rivera is going to
0: draft face young. Especially since he's local. (laughs) 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 Uh, One last thing before we leave for the day. This coronavirus, as of, well, I could look it up right now. How many are dead now in the U.S.? Has the number climbed from six this morning? Aaron, have you been keeping an eye on this? Um well, it was six this morning with a hundred you know sort of uh, you know tested positive for it the The sports leagues are trying to figure out answers on all this, Tommy, you know, and basically right now it's like they're all, hey, we're in touch with the CDC, you know, we've put out memos to the teams, constant hand washing is a big part of apparently all these league memos. You know nBA guys are are being told to use their own pen for autographs. Um, you know, CJ McCollum in Portland said he's going to take a break from signing autographs now, but here's the more, the most interesting out of all of them. And that is the NCAA tournament, which we are right around the corner from, you know, two weeks from today, Aaron, we will have our brackets. Tommy we will have our brackets out in front of us two weeks from today, and we'll be getting ready for the first four games tonight. And apparently, the NCAA tournament is, you know, going to consider. I mean, obviously, this is a dynamic thing. This is a an ever changing situation. But if it gets really bad and there are real concerns, these NCAA tournament games will be played. But they could potentially be played in empty arenas. That's in the conversation right now. When it comes to like all the sports leagues, and you know the Masters has been asked about this, you know because we're a month, a little bit over a month away from the Masters, and you know the Masters has a very international crowd uh, over the last twenty-five years with an airport at Augusta, Tommy, where these private planes are flying in from everywhere for that golf tournament. Um, you know, there's some concern there, um, but man, would that would that ruin the tournament if it were played in front of empty arenas?
1: I think so. I think it would ruin it. But you know, let's face it. Uh, you know, I mean, people where people congregate is is like a petri dish for disease. You know, uh, something like this. I just have one question for you. Mm-hmm. Are you the guy who bought all the Parel?
0: No, I tried to buy some of it. It's not on the shelf at Safeway or Giant um- or Amazon. It's not available on Amazon either. No, nope. and apparently nope. the the it's people that are fine. buying the masks are doing so unnecessarily. They're saying you yeah. only need the mask if you've been if you actually have it, um, and they're taking all the masks away from the hospitals that actually need them. Uh, yeah. You know the funny thing about the NCAA t- uh, tournament. Um, in fact, God, just as I said this, it's the number one story right now, tr- trending on on ESPN.com about the uh, different uh, scenarios that they're considering for the tournament, um, including playing games in, in empty arenas. That is, uh, in fact, here, here it is. Here's the latest uh, news release. March Madness officially begins in two weeks with a men's basketball first four game in Dayton. In the event the coronavirus becomes an even more significant health threat in the United States, NCAA officials say they are readying for any scenario, including games in arenas without fans.
1: Uh, the IOC came out and said, you know, they're still a go for the Olympics, but Japanese organizers are considering it maybe pushing the dates back, and that and that could change dramatically, because speaking from experience, I didn't get sick, but I've seen it happen. The second week of the Olympics, riders start dropping like flies. Really? Because you're oh my gosh, riders get sick in the second week. I mean, infirmary sick happens a lot
0: and it hasn't Uh, happened to you
1: no i know it hasn't happened (laughs) that's crazy i know but uh, i've seen it happen so the olympics would just be an absolute disaster for spreading uh a a disease like this well um, let me ask you one question real quick maryland playing in the championship game the ncaa title game
0: in atlanta with no fans
1: okay Would you try to, like, break in and sneak in to go see it?
0: If I didn't have the coronavirus, I would. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) You know, um, what's really interesting about the NCAA tournament, and I think we've all talked about this in the past, but, you know, the environments on these neutral floors in so many cases are pretty, you know, sort of sterile anyway, especially for the early games on Thursday and Friday in that first weekend, you know, a 12 noon game, you know, sometimes the arena can be literally like 20 to 25% full. It's a completely different atmosphere than these teams are used to playing in front of during the season, you know, road games, home games and raucous, you know, atmospheres. Um, But uh, 25% filled is much different than nobody being there. You know, other than the referees, the players, the coaches, and the people working at the scorer's table. Um, but anyway, uh, last thing, um, Aaron, uh, we predicted it. Rutgers is favored tonight over Maryland. Uh, big game for the Terps, Tommy. Um, who lost Saturday night at home to Michigan State. They're at Rutgers tonight. Apparently this is a very difficult uh, ticket to get. It's it's the biggest game of the year for Rutgers. They're viewing it that way. They're now down to a one-point favorite. I was going to say, it's moved from one and a half yeah, to one. Yeah, just checked it out. They're a one-point favorite now. But um, this Maryland's only route right now... To guaranteed league title without sharing it is to win these final two games over Rutgers and Michigan. They could still win it um, outright with one win, but more likely than not, one win means they will end up sharing it with somebody um, with a Big Ten title. So to win it outright, you know, got to go beat Rutgers tonight. Not going to be an easy matchup. Rutgers has been very good. They've got, they're a physical team, they're athletic. Um, they've got some really good players. You know, this guy, Geo Baker is a clutch performer, uh, for them. I mean, a big time clutch performer for them. Uh, I'm definitely concerned about tonight's game. I think they could easily lose this game. Uh, and Rutgers has not been playing well. Would not surprise me if Maryland doesn't get it done tonight. What do you think?
1: What do I think?
0: I'm asking Aaron. I don't care what you think. You're, okay. you're you're not watching.
1: I guys. I think that
0: the if this is the team I do care what you think though. Sorry. That you know, we've been hoping this <laughs> long run in the tournament yeah. they get this done. Yeah, I mean this would be one of those just like the 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 Minnesota game. It was like, "God, if they overcome this and they beat Minnesota it sort of says something, right?" Like the Illinois game on that Friday night. If they overcome this and they somehow win this game, you know, that's big. Um, you know who plays for Rutgers, Tommy, and who is having a really, really good season, Ron Harper Jr. Oh wow! And you know Ron Har—I mean Ron Harper was a good player with the Bulls in the NBA. You right. know, on, on some of those Jordan teams, played at the um, at, played at Miami of Ohio. In college, was a very, very good college basketball player, and in fact, in the 1985 NCAA tournament first round, in Dayton, Ohio, Maryland against Miami of Ohio, Ron Harper up against Len Bias. Harper had 36, I think. Bias had like you know 25 or something like that. Maryland needed overtime, one. The game, but Harper became, you know, sort of a star in that first round of that game. People found out about him. He got drafted, ended up having a good career. Um, real, uh, uh, an add on to that, the Maryland second round game, Tommy, was against David Robinson in Navy. And they trailed the whole game, came back late and won by like seven or eight, and then advanced to the Sweet 16 that year. All right, what else you got?
1: I got nothing else. It's, twelve oh nine. I'm nine minutes past my noon red stripe.
0: All right, go get your red stripe and, and bring some red stripe home with you at two bucks a pop, and we'll get together and, and have some down at uh down at your favorite cigar haunt. Okay. All right. All right, that's it uh for Tommy. And actually that's it for us today. Rooting for Maryland tonight, I don't feel good about it, Aaron, um, but it would be great to get a win tonight and then come home with a chance in an even bigger game against Michigan than the Michigan State game because it would be to clinch the Big Ten title. All right, uh, back tomorrow. Enjoy the day.